Greetings and welcome to the Men of Sorrows podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow. Men of Sorrows podcast is geared towards helping anyone in grief overcome their grief. We call it Men of Sorrows because it's predominantly geared towards men, because men have a more difficult time expressing and dealing with their painful emotions. We usually try to put our head down and keep moving. Um, Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media. It is a number one rated media company. All the information, um, Dave Butler and his sons run that. All the information will be in the show notes. If you're looking for someone to consult with about building a website, enhancing your existing website, or creating a new website, any anything that has to do with web media, even how to use social media, Dave, uh, TJB Web Media is a great resource for that. So look them up in the show notes, check them out. Today's podcast, we're going to talk about the complications of grief when it is suicide or the complications that suicide causes. It complicates our grief. It's a unique kind of grief. Not saying it's more painful or less painful. All loss is painful. All grief is painful. All death brings about this grief and need to mourn. However, we're going to look at the complications of suicide. First of all, in most deaths, either sickness or an accident, it comes from an outside force, and it really wasn't the person's choice to die. People that get sick try to get better. They go to the hospital. They try to get the doctor to help them whatever it is, especially with sicknesses like cancer, heart disease, we consult a physician and we look and we we want life, we want to live. Not with suicide. It was their decision to leave us. And that, number one, it makes the loved one, I know it made me feel, if you know my story, my son, Corporal Liam John Lloyd of the United States Marine Corps took his life on May 5th, 2019. And One of the things that I felt was rejected, and people often report that they feel rejected by that loved one. He left me behind. He it was his decision to leave. And did he know what devastation it would cause? Did he know the 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 pain and heartache that it would cause? And did he care? That those are the kind of questions we ask ourselves. We feel totally rejected. They don't want to be with us. They didn't want to be here with us. And maybe they didn't love us that much. I mean, it was their decision to leave. We feel rejected. I know that even when my dad, and my dad had congestive heart failure, and he secretly, like, he didn't let people know how bad it really was. And when it was his time to go, he knew it was his time to go. My mother felt a certain pang of rejection. Like, why did he leave me? Why did he want to go? Why didn't he want to stay here with me? So even if something that the congestive heart failure was outside of my dad's control in the end, he, he did his best. So think about suicide. How, man, how we feel ultimately rejected. And it's something that we have to deal with and overcome. I don't think that's the case anymore. I, I have no idea really 
what Lee was thinking about me. I, I, I don't think he knew how devastated I would be. And then that brings up in my mind, well, did he know how much I love? If he didn't think, if he didn't understand how this would devastate me, then he didn't know how much I loved him. And if he did know how much it would devastate me, then didn't he care that he would devastate me? So these are all the questions and things that we have to grapple with when it's suicide. And then the other thing about their decision to leave, and this is something that they did, comes into church tradition. Okay, There are some traditions that teach that suicide is self-murder. Murder, in the Catholic tradition, you have a mortal sin and a, a menial sin. Now, the menial sins are things that you know can be forgiven, but a mortal sin, you go straight to hell for that. There's no, there's no in-between. And I know that the church has since lightened up his, their stance on it, but, but there's that pocket and that remnant of the church still exists that, hey, that's self-murder. Not just the Catholics. There, there's Protestants. There's, there's people that believe that. Let's just put it that way. That, hey, he killed himself. His life you know, wasn't important to God. Life and death is in God's hands. That's a big sin. That was the last thing they did. They must not have known Christ is their savior. And they believe that somehow they're in trouble. They're in danger in the afterlife. Now, I don't get into it a lot on this podcast, a lot of theology, heavy theology, but I flat out reject the idea of hell as a place of eternal conscious torment. So, and I've, stu- I'm, I, I've studied the scripture. I'm an ordained pastor. I don't wear that on the sleeve on this podcast. This podcast is for everybody, all faiths. But just this, there's another podcast that I did earlier. You can look back at for it about suicide and the unforgivable sin. But hell as a place of eternal conscious torment, I know that many people believe that the scriptures teach that, that the Bible teaches that, that Jesus teaches that. When you take a second look at the scriptures that they use to justify the idea of eternal conscious torment, it's, it's a big leap. It's a big leap to go from these scriptures. When you really look at them in the context, it's not saying that at all. And, and, and God's character, I mean, I always put it this way. If God is all-knowing and all-powerful, and he, before he created the earth, before he created man, he knew all this mess would happen and that he would send Jesus, but only about, you know, I don't know, the very best 30% of humanity of the people that he created would live in heaven with him and 70% would suffer eternal conscious torment forever. I mean, seriously. And then God pushed the button on creation anyway. Why? Because he was lonely? <laughs> because he wanted glory for himself? I mean, what, what kind of besmirch on God's character is that? I do not believe that for a second. And biblically, I don't have time to go into it. It's not biblical at all. Not at all. Now, is there... Is, I mean, do we reap what we sow in this life if you live selfishly? Yes. But as far as there, there's no, the, to me, there's no eternal conscious torment. That, that's ridiculous. God would not do that. And does that mean that everybody, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I think, yeah, in the end, 
there might be a way for all to come into the kingdom of God. I believe not believing in God and not seeking him and not knowing him in this life has ramifications for the next life, but it is not eternal conscious torment by no means. It's just don't ever think that your loved one that took their life is burning in hell somewhere because that's blasphemy. It's not true and it's, it, it never will be. And so you can go look at my passage, uh, my podcast on the unforgivable sin and suicide. It's a few podcasts back, but it would be worth the listen. So that, the fact that it was their decision, and it was the last thing they ever did on this earth, we might think that that brings trouble for them in the afterlife. But I believe me, we can trust a loving, kind, merciful God And I believe, personally, I believe my son is in the arms of God in in beautiful ways. And that if I am blessed and fortunate enough that I can see him and hang out with him in the kingdom of God and wrap my arms around him and tell him how much I love him, which kind of makes us to to the second complication of suicide is did they feel unloved i mean why did they take their life they must have felt unloved so thus did we love them enough we didn't love them enough you know i remember john glenn in my grief counseling sessions with him saying we always see our kids in diapers (laughs) we always see them you know i should have took care of him i should have loved him did i love him enough and did he know how much I loved him? Okay, if he know how if he knew how much I loved him, then why would he take his life? And if he didn't know, I'm I'm sure being in the presence of God that he knows now, that he knows how much I loved him. If you're wondering, man, did my loved one feel unloved? I didn't love them enough. Did they know how much I loved them? They do now. They know how much you love them. We're trying to we're trying to figure out what someone with at at the time an irrational mind, we're trying to figure it out with a rational mind what an unrational mind was thinking. Um the other thing that we we think about is that why didn't we see the signs? Why, you know, why didn't we see it? They're, they, looking back sometimes, we say, oh yeah, they said that or they did this. Why didn't we see the signs? We could have prevented it. You know, we could have done something. They felt unloved. I didn't see it. I didn't prevent it. There was something that I could have done. These are all the complications that go along with suicide. And then the other complication often is the method if they got a hold of a gun that they shouldn't have, or often I know of some parents where the, the, the child, the young adult, got into their, their gun case and used that gun, and then the parents start lamenting that they should not have had the gun in the house, and it was all their fault, and why, did they, why didn't they secure it more? There's all sorts of things that happen because of the methodology, how they did it. And... and I don't know, you know, for Liam, I, 
I knew that I, I knew of his fetal alcohol syndrome. I knew that sometimes he had problems with, you know, compulsive, you know, being very compulsive because of the fetal alcohol syndrome. I knew that he was going to apply for a security job. I knew that he wanted to get a gun and got, and I never talked to him about it. And, and maybe I should have. That's the kind of things that go through my mind. And I could have prevented it. I could have done something. I could have. And those are the things that, that complicate our grief. And then sometimes the timing, the timing of it. Sometimes there were harsh words between people. And sometimes you wish you would have said something that you didn't. Or you did say something that you wish you didn't. Or you wish you would have said something that you didn't. Of course, you know, I wish I told Liam I loved him more. Thank God that I have the last, you know, few texts between us, texting back and forth. I told him I loved him all the time. You know, he told me I was his hero, which then I think, how could I be his hero? <laughs> I didn't rescue him. So the timing, I know of a friend of mine whose brother um, was a, a vet, and the last words between them were kind of harsh. His brother left the house, and he, he said something like kind of sarcastic to him, and he left, and um, that, was the last, that was the last that he saw him. And he went, and he took his life. Another friend of mine, her and her husband, had a fight the night before. And um, he got up in the morning and went to the beach, took his life there. So the, this brings on, and the complications can be work, worked through. What do we do with all this? What do we do with all this complication of grief swirling around inside of us? Well, for me, I think that my relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing the truth of Jesus and knowing why God allows, it's obvious that God allows pain and suffering in this life. But what the scriptures teach is that not now, not now, but in the future, all things will be reconciled in Jesus Christ. If you read through the passages in the book of Colossians, the one thing that jumps out at me always is this phrase. Because for me, it all comes down, okay, I had all this complicated grief swirling around in me. And believe me, I still wrestle. I still wrestle, I don't know, on a daily basis anymore, but quite regularly, I wrestle with the idea that I could have done something and if I would have done more and I would have been different and would have that it could have been prevented and Liam would still be here with me. I still wrestle with that. But listen to what Paul says here about Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
And he is the head of the church, the body. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So, that phrase that he has reconciled all things. Now, the term reconcile, when it's talking about reconciling people, it means to become friends again, warm, intimate, close friends. And Peter, um, Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he said that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So, not counting men's sins against them, he's reconciled himself to your loved one. And he doesn't count their sins against them. Even the sin of suicide. If we consider that a sin. I, you know, to me, I have no idea. I have no idea what transpires between the living, all-powerful God and his child that he loves more than we could ever love during that transaction of suicide. I have no idea, but I believe that God's involved in it. Either he's 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 waiting, he's 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 given that person the freedom, but God it says that a sparrow doesn't even fall to the ground without God knowing about it. So the suicide did not catch God by surprise. So our loved one is already reconciled to God, and God isn't counting this against them. But here in Colossians, it doesn't say that he's reconciled people. It says that he's reconciled all things. And in God's economy, reconciling all things means that every event that occurs on the face of the earth is reconciled through Christ's redemption. Meaning in the end, it will all add up. In the end, it will all make sense. In the end, it will be used for God's good purpose. And I believe that God is merciful, kind, loving, forgiving, perfect, and that our loved ones come face to face with God the minute they pass from this life and have a tremendous opportunity to receive his love, grace, healing, and mercy. And I don't know what it is, because most of us, when threatened with death, want to live and will fight for life. So suicide is this, there's this this mystery around it, and it's awful. Don't ever think that it's anything good. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, and anyone that would be thinking of it, I would say, get help right away and do not even think that you're unloved and uncared for. And God will shine light on all of it. So with the complicated grief, it all comes back to me, for me, the one answer. God's mercy, God's grace, God's love, God's overarching, overreaching redemption in Jesus Christ. Everything's taken care of at the cross. Everything is reconciled. This death of suicide is reconciled in Christ. 
God has it under control. God has our loved ones. He's a loving, kind, merciful, beautiful God that will receive them. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord, it says, and they're his children. And for whatever reason, he's allowed this to occur and scooped our loved ones home. So our argument then is with God. (laughs) Our argument's with God. Why he would allow it. Why he allows sin and suffering. I know someone that lost their child a different way that's mad at God. And that's okay. They won't even go to church anymore. (laughs) So, and that's okay. God's big enough to handle all that. So if you are dealing with grief's complications, I encourage you to be at peace. Your loved one isn't suffering torment because of what they did. God has reconciled it. And if your loved one felt unloved or didn't know how much you loved them, they sure as heck do now know how much you love them. Open your heart and mind to God's comfort. Ask him to comfort you, ask him to help you, ask him to show you the way. And every, I can assure you that every thing that, every complication that I had, everything that was causing me and causing my grief to be agonizing, every complication, every troubling thing, God spoke to personally and directly to my heart and comforted me. The one thing that I always like to share is that I wanted a sign. I wanted to say, okay, if my son's okay, I need to know right now, God, and I don't want to dream. I want to see a vision of Jesus. I want broad daylight. I want him standing there like the apostles saw you and Moses and Elijah on that tr- Mount of Transfiguration. I want a vision of my son right now. And I ask God for it over and over And God spoke to me. Do you want a quick vision of your son that's there and gone? Or do you want me living with you, in you, alongside of you? You're in me. I am in you. I live in you. I'm with you always, 24-7, comforting you. What would you rather have? And I said, well, Lord, can I have both? (laughs) And what he showed me is I already had his presence, his life living in me. I already had him. He's already joined me to himself inseparably. I've already been crucified with him, buried and raised up again. I'm I'm joined to Jesus. He lives in me. I live in him. It says in John chapter 14, 20. So it's that testimony and that comfort. And then from that point, him living in me, it says in, in one of the well, we use the verse around Christmas time a lot. For us, a child is born, a son is given. He's called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. He's our Wonderful Counselor. And yes, God counseled me through it, and every troubling thought that I had, he spoke to personally. And that's what he's doing for you, and that's what he's going to do for you. Bring those complications to him, and let him speak and minister to your heart. But I can assure you that I believe with all my heart that our loved ones are with God 
and that there's going to be a reunion (laughs) one day beyond our wildest dreams because the gospel is good news for great joy for all people. Check out our show notes and if you want to reach out any further, our email is in the show notes, our Facebook is in the show notes and you can um, check out more resources there. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Remember that God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness and nothing in all creation will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus.